pick the behavior, hold yourself accountable to doing it, be flexible enough that when life happens, you can adjust without freaking out, but don't be so flexible that you lose the discipline needed to actually do the thing, whatever the thing may be. Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. I'm Steve Magnus, joined as always by my good friend, Brad Stolberg. Brad, what's going on, my man? Not so much, Steve. Looking forward to today's episode. Always a pleasure to be chatting with you. You too, my man. It's a wonderful... We're finally experiencing fall here in Houston, so it's all good. So let's dive into today's episode. But before we get there, actually, I want to tell you about how you can support our work. We don't have advertisements. We're not pitching supplements or the magic cure or the magic performance enhancer. One reason why we don't do that is it doesn't align with our message. We want to be able to bring you clear science-based, evidence-based things that actually work and not pitch things that probably don't. So to support our podcast, the best way you can do it is sign up for our Patreon group. So if you go to patreon.com slash the growth equation, you'll get all sorts of good stuff, book clubs, monthly book clubs, a quarterly mastermind group. When our new books come out, you get signed copies of them. So, and you get to be a part of a really cool community and take advantage of the knowledge base of, you know, several hundred others. So if you're interested in that, Join us, and the other way you can support us is check out our latest books. Uh, mine is Do Hard Things, Brad's The Practice of Groundedness. And with that, let's jump into this week's topic. All right, so sustainable progress, let's first define it. This means improving at something over the long haul, and let's define the long haul as a year, five years, a decade, a lifetime. So we're not talking about week to week or even month to month. And it occurred to me a couple weeks ago when I was reading some of the more popular press writing on performance, peak performance, so on and so forth, that a lot of the messaging was quite rigid. So you got to wake up at this time. You got to do this routine. Uh, you have to cold plunge. You better be training six days a week. You know, one where we hear it all the time is on the importance of sleep. So you better be sleeping eight to nine hours a night. Otherwise, you know, everything's going to go to hell in a handbag. And many of those prescriptive activities are probably beneficial for most people in most situations. The problem is that there's a lot of all or none messaging. So the framework that we would like to introduce today involves three steps. The first step is for any kind of behavior that you want to do that you believe will lead you towards sustainable progress, you need to be extremely disciplined and do the thing. The second step is if for whatever reason you can't do the thing, don't freak out about it and don't judge yourself too harshly for not doing the thing. The third step is don't let number two be a chronic excuse for number one. So I think that this is on my mind 
because we're about to welcome another child into the world here in the Stolberg household. And I am a big believer in the power of sleep. I think of all the things that people are tweeting threads about, sleep really is that important. Yet, as anyone else that's ever had a newborn or an infant can tell you, sleep suffers unless you have an angel miracle baby, which most people don't have. Now, if I were to say, hey, I need to sleep eight to nine hours uninterrupted a night while having an infant, all that would happen is I'd fail. And if I freak out because I'm not sleeping, well, that doesn't change anything about me not sleeping. All it does is waste extra energy and cause extra stress because I'm freaking out. So rule number one, do the thing. We're going to try to get this kid on a routine. I'm going to do everything possible to get as much sleep as I can. Rule number two, when the kid inevitably wakes us up and we don't sleep well, I'm not going to freak out. Rule number three, and this is important, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And in this case, I'm speaking metaphorically. Just because there's a good chance that sleep's going to get disrupted doesn't mean that we're going to say, oh, to hell with it, let's stop focusing on sleep altogether. So it's really simple, but simple always doesn't mean easy. Pick the behavior, hold yourself accountable to doing it, be flexible enough that when life happens, you can adjust without freaking out, but don't be so flexible that you lose the discipline needed to actually do the thing, whatever the thing may be. Yeah. So what comes to mind here is all or none often means none. <laughs> Meaning if, if we go all in and we think, okay, I've got to, you know, exercise seven days a week or get this much sleep or, or whatever have you, um, <laughs> what we've got here, what we've got here is we often like it often backfires. So the example I like to use, you know, we use sleep is people kind of, you know, the sleep becomes the thing that inhibits. So they they get their sleep tracker, they get their sleep watch, they say, oh my gosh, this is the thing that matters the most. And then they get so obsessed with it that the anxiety of needing to get sleep overwhelms them and gets in the way of them actually sleeping, right? So it backfires. And what often happens is people say to hell with it. I'm never going to uh, forget this sleep or the exercise side where this often happens, where they sign, say, I'm going to go to the gym X number of times, work out every day. And then once they they kind of fail on this all or nothing thing, they go to nothing and they default towards forgetting about it. We see this in diet all the time. But there's also a counter here, Steve. I want to interject real quick because you also see the opposite often which is, oh, I won't eat dessert too often. Or I'll go to the gym when I feel like it and when it works out. And sometimes too flexible thinking also leads to nothing. You hear this again, particularly with nutrition changes, it's really, really hard to, um, to stick with some sort of nutrition goal in a halfway manner. Now, we're not talking about like completely restrictive eating, that's not healthy. But one of the best ways to improve body composition is simply to cut out dessert. And people that have success cutting out dessert, they don't do it, ah, I'm not going to have dessert often. They tend to set pretty strict, rigid boundaries. So it's like, I'm only going to have dessert Saturday night, or I'm just not going to eat dessert. Because once that rule is set, you don't have any mental energy needing to decide whether or not to do it. The decision's already been made. So I think like it works both ways, all or nothing, if it's too hard of a goal, we'll flame you out. 
But if it's an actual attainable goal and the circumstances allow for it, then I actually think uh, rigidity at times can be helpful. Yeah, no, that's how I handled fast food. Um, I remember in high school, I just decided no more fast, like McDonald's or whatever it was, Taco Bell at that time, and just said no more. And I haven't had that stuff in like 20 years now. Um, but it, anyways, it actually reminds me of the interesting research. I think it's from Katie Milkman, or at least it's in her book that showed when they looked at people exercising, when they set a goal of five or a goal to exercise seven days a week, but had two mulligan days where they could say, okay, I've got two kind of days to kind of opt, opt out if I need to. They did better sticking with their exercise routine than if they said, hey, I'm going to exercise seven days a week or I'm going to exercise five days a week. So it's a little of that, like playing with the human mind there where it's it's almost like, shooting for the big goal, but giving yourself some sort of constraint, like constricted out to make sure you don't go to nothing is often one of the best ways to do, deal with it. The other thing I was going to say there that I think is really important here is that second one on like, don't freak out if you can't do the thing is it's really giving yourself some space for some self-compassion. And again, there's this middle road between like self-compassion and and excuse making um, <laughs> that I think really needs to, you know, you need to kind of figure out on your own so that you can, um, again, not succumb to this all or nothing in either direction. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. Um, it's It's really embracing the middle way here. So self-compassion is different from excuse making. Not doing the thing when life happens is different than just not doing the thing. And discipline, even if there is a, a little bit of rigidity there, is different than um, obsession. And I ultimately think that's what it comes down to. And I think that part of the reason that we get a lot of this like all or nothing thinking, particularly when it comes to health behaviors and in, in, in performance behaviors, is a lot of the biggest quote unquote influencers on this stuff. They often don't have kids and they often don't have another job other than being an influencer on the internet. So if you have complete autonomy over your schedule, well then yeah, you can be super disciplined and adhere to whatever somewhat strict routine you put together. But if you have other obligations to other people or you just have more complexity in your life, even if you do everything you can to make life simple, um, it gets harder to, to stick to something. So there's like a mismatch, right? It's like taking basketball advice from LeBron James doesn't necessarily make sense for a 45-year-old rec league player. Now, that is a very extreme point to help you all see what I'm trying to say here. But I think that the general theme is true. Um, and then it also gets down to, now we could go down a whole other rabbit hole of, you know, how much of this stuff and like the perfect routines actually work. Um, but I think like a lot of stuff does work that the, the health and wellness bros, you know, sit there and talk about where these three rules are helpful. So the examples that come to mind for me are like getting some sunlight early in the day. That's genuinely quite beneficial. Um, focusing on getting quality sleep, super beneficial. Regular physical activity, also super beneficial. Eating a nutritious diet, avoiding highly processed foods, super beneficial. 
So we're not talking about like the cold plunge kind of last half a percent stuff here. We're talking about the meat and potatoes. Yeah, and I think that's an important point. I mean, the LeBron thing, the way I kind of look at it is like the advice that I'd give someone trying to run, you know, make the Olympics in the in the marathon is different from the advice I'm going to give someone who's just trying to get started and run their local turkey trot or what have you. And I think so often where this kind of all or none advice often comes from is the people who treat everybody as if like this is their Olympics or Olympic trials or like life goal, life changing goal that, that they're kind of going all in on. And that often sets us up for, you know, um, failure or sets us up for kind of going down the cycle that we talked about of like trying something, but then freaking out over the thing once we go the wrong direction or what yeah. have you. And, you know, one of the other things I'd say is like that, second thing don't freak out if you can't do the thing this is actually a, a place or opportunity for growth so if you can't do the thing and you have those thoughts or you have that anxiety that's coming around from it like that should be a signal that you're almost like too attached yeah. to the thing so the example i'll use from running is like you know if in runners if if the coach or you write you know, 10 mile run or eight mile run on, on the schedule, then people will often, and I've been guilty of this as well. They'll like do circles in the parking lot until their GPS watch goes to eight miles or whatever, or 10 miles or whatever the round number is. And that's driven out of like this anxiety because the reality is the GPS isn't that accurate, right? Where it's like 8.0 is actually eight miles. We have no idea. It's off. Um, but it's that like anxiety that's driving that behavior. So in those moments, I always tell people like, hey, stop at 7.95 or whatever it is. Just stop when you get to the car. And if you fail anxious, this is a good time to practice. Like, okay, how do I like sit with this and deal with this and all that stuff? Because you don't want that anxiety driving your behavior. The same goes with if you're freaking out because now you're going to get seven and a half hours of sleep instead of eight, or your watch tells you that you were only in REM sleep for this much instead of that, and you're going to have to change everything, like that's a good opportunity to be like, okay, how do I sit with this anxiety instead of letting it drive like whatever sort of behavior that I'm, I'm uh, going to uh, do? And I think as you get more serious about whatever it is that you're doing, then the flexibility looks like less flexible, but to you, it's still flexible. So I'm thinking about myself in, in my own strength training practice. For me, flexibility isn't like, oh, not going to the gym. Flexibility is, hey, I'm only going to really do my main set and one auxiliary movement, even though my strength coach programmed three other things, because I don't want to be too rushed before it's time to come home and coach a client or record a podcast. Whereas for a brand new beginner, flexibility might look like, I'm just not going to go to the gym today. So I think that as you get more advanced at something, it doesn't mean that these rules no longer apply. It just means how you think about flexibility shifts. Um, so that's also, I think, important. But it is really just about having this heuristic of balancing like rigidity and discipline enough so that, yes, you're doing the hard things with flexibility enough so that you account for the natural vicissitudes and complexity of life to come in. But then that third thing is also real important, which is um, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
In behavioral economics, there's a term called the what the hell effect. And the what the hell effect is, oh, I'm not going to, the easiest way to explain it, it, it's a metaphor, is I'm really not going to eat unhealthy because it's very important to my values that I have healthy nutrition. And then one day you find yourself at a party and you have a piece of pizza because your family's there, your friends are there. It's a great time. Okay. That's being flexible. The what the hell effect says, oh, what the hell? I already had one piece, so I might as well eat the whole pizza, the cake for dessert. And then since it's a Thursday, I'll restart my healthy nutrition next Monday. And that's the, the point around the, the not letting flexibility become an excuse for basically mayhem and chaos. Um, so you're just charting this middle way really between flexibility and rigidity. Um, and I think that looking contextually at your life can also help you in saying, Hey, this is a season of my life, whether it's an infant, whether you just got married, whether you're traveling, whether you've got big projects at work, you can say like, Hey, I need to be somewhat flexible, but then you also need to have some kind of boundary or deadline to be like, Oh, you know, when the kid turns two, if I'm still not sleeping at all every night, that's probably more on me than the kid. And I'm letting myself off the hook here. Time to like, um, you know, put the hammer down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it it really is those, that boundary setting. And to me, you know, this discussion we're having circles around two things, which is like essentially that self-awareness to understand like what am I after in this moment and what is important? And then that boundary setting of, well, how long is this going to like be prioritized or like, should it be this way? In a non-parenting example, it's no different than when you're in book launch mode and you're like, I'm going to spend more time sitting online. As we've talked about in previous podcasts, um, it's very easy to get in internet brain. Well, that's going to happen maybe as you spend too much time on social media pushing a book. But if you define that period of time, it gives you a sense of like, okay, when do I come out of this and get back to quote unquote normal or shift my schedule so it's more productive in these other areas or more aligned with what I you know, want and value um, in my life and my workspace right now? Yeah, with you 100%. So I think there we have it. Um, do the thing. Don't freak out if you can't do the thing. And don't succumb to the what the hell effect. Set some boundaries to get you back on the path. The harder the challenge, the more important it is to be a little bit rigid up front, but perhaps more flexible later on on the back end. And remember that this can apply um, to your own situation based on your own skill. So flexibility for an elite athlete is going to look very different than flexibility for a newbie and everywhere in between. But we're really just trying to avoid this dichotomy of, hey, you've got to have a perfect routine and it's perfectly dialed in because then the minute that you fail, the natural response is a freak out. And the research shows, as Steve alluded to, that self-compassion is a much better way to meet these failures than freaking out. Perfect. All right, everybody. If you like the episode, feel free to share it with others who will benefit. And if you like our work, don't forget to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the growth equation. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Until next time.